Welcome to Quick Shots, a short format traditional archery podcast, where we introduce you to some of the world's most influential traditional archers, and occasionally, some random dudes. What tab are you shooting? Check out CD Archery Performance ILF Risers for hunters to world champions. CDArchery.com. Made right here in the United States of America. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, ArcheryPass.com, for all your traditional archery needs. Hey everyone, welcome back to Quick Shots. I'm your host, Mick Chambers. I'm here with Nick Hart. Hey Nick, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Mick. How about you? Oh, dude, I'm so happy that you said yes to this interview. Um, I haven't done an interview in a while, but you know, I was I got a lot of people say, hey, get this guy on, on the <laughs> on the line. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know him that well. Like we this is the first time meeting you. Um, but I'm really excited to do this uh because uh from what I've seen. What I've seen, saw, saw, sir, whatever. Um, you, you're a, you're a shooter, dude. You're like, a, <laughs> you're the real deal. Uh, I appreciate and, that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I didn't do anything. <laughs> All I'm doing. Well, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's no stranger that you probably haven't heard of me. You know, um, I'm not on the commercial circuit. I have never shot a piece of paper in my life. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, I have no formal training. So I'm kind of a backyard dojo kind of guy, like you said. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have 30 years invested into archery. I've been shooting since I was five. You know, I say that to people and they're like, what, do you, how can you have 30 years experience? And I'm like, yo, I've been competing since the cub division and never really let down. Um, you know, there's a period in my 20s that, you know, it certainly slowed down, priorities shifted, college girls, all the things, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, recently in the last five, seven years, I kind of put the gas pedal on, you know, um, there was a period in my late 20s where, you know, I was struggling with some mental health stuff. And I'm like, what is missing from my life? You know, like, what is it? And it kind of just hit me like a sack of bricks. It's like, dude, you're not shooting your bow anymore. You wow. know, and at, at the time, you know, uh, our business was young and required a lot of energy and coming out of that college lifestyle where priorities were different. I mean, you know, just paying the rent was the top priority, let alone traveling yeah. shoots. So, uh, you know, I'd go to a couple local shoots, two, three a year, but what certainly wasn't training and wasn't competing at the level um, that I knew that I was able to. And I shifted my priorities and, you know, started training and realized that I had a long way to go (laughs) to get back to peak performance, you know, and had to break a lot of bad habits. Uh, You know, I mean, starting so young, you know, in, the terms of like board sports and extreme sports, we use the term Grom. There's a lot of benefits that can come out of starting so young. And uh, 
fundamentals, all that stuff, you know, you just have so many hours, your soft brain at those young ages can just absorb so much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, competing in those young years, you know, a lot of ego was formed in the cub youth, young adult stage. Cause you know, you feel like, Oh, I'm the best. I'm undefeated. Like, you know, but really you're not shooting against anyone either. You know? <laughs> um, and so what ended up happening is, you know, I shot bow hunter freestyle growing up, you know, my dad bought me a little PSE brave, I think for my sixth birthday or something. And I shot that thing pretty much till the wheels fell off as before oh. even cams. Right. Yeah. And, uh, at about 13, 14, you know, my dad had fully transitioned, Tim Hart, um, had fully transitioned to shooting trad at that point. And, I was still hunting with the compound and competing with the trad bow through those teen years and, you know, started getting pretty good. And it wasn't long before they were like, you need to scoot back to the adult stakes and, you know, push yourself a little bit more and kept going, kept going. And, you know, my head grew bigger and bigger and bigger with every tournament, you know, and uh, then I made a fatal mistake of going out, getting overbowed. You know, oh, yeah. you know, young, egotistical, 16, 17 year old thinking that, hey, man, I need to shoot 55 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to go hunt Canada. I want to go hunt Alaska. I need to shoot these big, heavy bows and developed a slew of bad habits, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I like to say I snapshot my way through my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are still doing yeah. it. Some people are still you doing know, it. Yeah. For sure, you know, and uh, unfortunately didn't break those habits until I kind of came back to it after my time off. Not time off, but, you know, slow time. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I really re-entered the programming, I, you know, I tried to start from the ground up and, um, you know, found the mentors that, you know, could teach me what they could. And... Uh, you know, pushed myself and got my physical abilities to be able to execute. But it was just a few months ago that I realized it's this that needs the training now. Yeah. And uh, I was in a conversation with Alan Eagleton um, at our, our state trad shoot a few months ago. And he paid me a very kind compliment. He said, Nick, there's anything I know about you, you know, you don't need any help shooting. <laughs> you got to get it right up here and get mm -hmm. that part dialed. And uh, it clicked quick, you know, and that was just last February. And I've been focusing extremely hard on my mental training the last few months and uh, quickly saw the results just a couple weekends ago at the NFAA National Championship. Hey, so... I want to talk, I want to dig into the mental training part because yeah. honestly, like we have dug a lot into the mental side on this program, I more so than the form, you know, I originally started the podcast thinking, let me, let's get these guys on that are really good at top level in their, their sport and, and people who aren't, and then see what the differences sort of are between, you know, what the equipment they use and what's their shot process and what's their setup. But then I quickly realized that a lot of people started talking about, the mental game 
and how you get better at the mental game. Cause yeah. I think, I think we, we fool ourselves in traditional archery. It's like building repetition. Right. And if, as long as you build repetition, you're good, you're done, you're done. You know, it's like, but repetition in the backyard and then repetition <laughs> on the competition line. It's just two like, different things. Two different things. Yeah. You want repetition on the competition line, but you got to overcome that mental uh, anguish. It's physically, it's, it's mentally uh, draining. Like for you to go on to that NFAA uh, championship, that, that had to have been like incredibly mentally draining for you. Uh, it could have been. Okay. You know, and two yeah. years ago when I shot it, it very much was. Um, mm -hmm. I beat myself mentally. And, you know, I mean, podiums are not my goal. I still ended up taking third uh, two years ago, but, you know, it's me versus me out there, yeah. you know, and that's how I approach every tournament. I know what I'm capable of, and I am constantly, you know, wanting to push, you know, further and further. So, you know, stepping out there last weekend, uh, man, we had quite a group of shooters <laughs> in our, in our group, you know, lucky enough to shoot with Chris Garcia and, yep. you know, Mike Santiago, uh, Gary McCain, you know, Mason Ferris, there's a lot of really good shooters in that group out there. And, you know, one of the most beautiful parts about it is none of us want to beat each other so bad that we see each other make a mistake. And, you know, we're taking that moment of weakness and attacking. No, we're grabbing each other, you know, and making sure that we're doing what we need to do to get back on track. Cause you know, we all want everyone to perform well, you know, that's part of the beauty of traditional archery that I think is unique to our division. I don't think you get those same mentalities in other divisions. Hey everyone, I want to introduce our brand new Patreon sponsor, The Push Archery. Head on over to thepusharchery.com. They have amazing content. They're amazing people. Support them. Support content creators like them. Uh, we're really happy to have them on board. And get primal. So but, uh, why don't you explain? Yeah. So I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of Midwest, East Coast um, understanding of archery, right? So... So lots of people who are listening to this, well, not with you on, probably people will be listening to West Coast, but for the guys that are East Coast, um, it, I think that maybe the divisions might be a little different and the way you guys shoot a little, a little different. I'm not sure if it's NFAA, it should be the same, but you are in you shoot trad division, correct? Uh, I mean, there there's a lot of variety out here on the West Coast. You know, I don't strictly shoot NFAA tournaments, uh, okay. you know, but what is trad is yeah, a big yeah. debate out here, you yeah. know, and there are a lot of guys and gals out there who wouldn't consider barebow trad. You know, I, I, it's single string. It's a recurve. I get it, you know, yeah. and I'm on the fence myself, you know, especially as an event host, you know, and I got a bunch of barebow guys wanted to come and shoot our event, you know, but I also have, a huge chunk of the population who don't consider that traditional. And, uh, you know, so I'm still trying to figure that out, you know, out here, um, you know, they separate longbow wood and longbow carbon pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. And in some smaller cubs clubs, if you're, uh, you're shooting longbow carbon, they'll put you in the recurve class, you know, but 
I know it's about the Indian, not the bow. So it doesn't bother me none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so things are a little different out here from region to region. You know, you, you participate in an FAA, you know, level thing. And yeah, you got to play by those rules. But um, the big tournament hosts out here in California is CBH, California Bow Hunters. Yep. And, uh, you know, their rules are you know, pretty similar to NFAA. Um, the one major difference is that uh, they have a recurve traditional class and they have a recurve limited class where in NFAA, they combine those two. So for instance, last weekend, if you were shooting a wood bow recurve off the shelf, you were competing against guys like Mason Ferris and Gary McCain who have a rest and a 12 inch stabilizer, um, you know, mm -hmm. advantage. Mm -hmm. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, uh, you know, some people think so for sure. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't make those things if they didn't, there was some sort of advantage to, to doing that. Right. I, I get what you're saying though. You know, it's in the end, it, it's going to come down to a strong mental game, um, and shot process. Yeah. Um, but, but if you're shooting a 54 inch, you know, recurve against a, you know, a 68 inch, you know, uh, WF 29. Um, and you know, he's with, a, it's just, it just doesn't feel fair. So I, I get what they're saying. I think all trad are, are, so me personally, I think everyone that's shooting single string is trad archer, uh, except for the Olympic guys. Uh, then I just, oh, the only reason I say that is because they're Ollie, right? They, they have their own category. They have their own category in, in the Olympics and stuff like that. And, not that I don't think that they could be trad, you know, like they still shoot a single string, right? No, nothing, no aids holding the string back for them. So. Right. Right. You know, what do you, I mean, it, sorry. sorry I, I wanna, yeah. I want to get, to, I want to get to you though. I want to get to, so what are you, <laughs> what are you shooting? Like how, what class are you shooting in? Uh, you know, longbow is my true love. That's okay. for sure. You know, um, I just like the way, the limbs feel when they go off, you know, the way the string snaps closed. I am definitely a diehard longbow guy. Um, the last few years, I know I shot, I've been shooting longbow this year and I dedicated myself to shooting longbow all season this year, but I had switched to recurve the last five, six years because I wanted to shoot against some more competitive archers. Um, you know, not saying any discredit to my longbow guys out there and gals, there's a lot of good shooters, Bernard Guzman, you know, me and him go back and forth a lot, Anthony, great shooter too, but there was more consistent competition in the recurve class, you know, down in my area, Don Stocks, you know, man, you got to have a good day to beat that guy, even when he's on a bad day, yeah. uh, but you know, I kind of hadn't made that shift and I was shooting a predator recurve, um, for many years there, a couple different versions of the predator and, uh, then transitioned to a Bob Lee, which has always been like my dream bow. You know, yeah. I was lucky enough that someone loaned me one in my teenage years. I fell in love, but could never afford one. But, uh, you know, last few years, business has been good and I treated myself and bought myself a couple of Bob Lee's. And honestly, I don't know if I'll ever go back. 
um, at least in a competition setting, you know, I'm a bit promiscuous in the backyard. That's for sure. I shoot <laughs> yeah. a lot of different yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what's you know, your Bob Lee, what Bob Lee did you get? And what, uh, what's the, what's your weight on that thing? So, um, once again, promiscuous. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the ultimate, yeah. uh, which is a solid micarta riser. Yep. Um, you know, inspired by getting my ass beat by some of those barebow guys at the NFAA tournament a few years ago. I was like, man, there's got to be something to having all that weight. Weight. You know, a little bit of tweak here and there just absorbs it, not as much. So I was like, okay, let's get one of these Mike Carter risers, see what it's all about. And I had instant, you know, impact in my performance feeling, you know, what that weight could offer. So um, shooting, it's marked 47 but i draw a little bit over 28 so i'm getting closer to 52 out of the glass limbs and uh really loving that 62 inch bow 17 inch riser i also got a pair of the cobra curves um little heavier weight specifically for hunting in mind and uh you know haven't had too many opportunities to take it out uh, the last few years, but um, got a couple trips that we're looking to book here and hopefully uh, get to put some arrows through those Cobra curves. That's um, nice, dude. Yeah. And what so do you, that, what do you, what do you, what's the hunting? Where do you go? Where are you going hunting and what are you going to hunt? Uh, well, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but this might be a surprise for my dad. Um, oh, his yeah. 70th birthday is coming up and, uh, I want to take him on the hunt of his choice. You know, um, I know he loves Alaska and Canada, big caribou guy, but I also know it's been a few years since he's had the opportunity to, uh, go elk hunting. So, you know, um, going up there in a couple weeks, probably after this airs. So <laughs> sorry if it spoils the surprise dad, but let's go, uh, let's go bag a bowl, you know, let's get out there and walk the land and have some time father and son. Yeah, dude, that's sweet. That is, that's awesome. That would be, that's, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see those pictures though. You know, <laughs> see you guys with your hunting. That's cool. Um, that, that's neat that your dad's Tim, right? Tim. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, absolute legend you know once again under the radar guy on the national level but you ask anybody in california and i'm sure they know who he is and <laughs> you know that was also part of my dilemma um you know coming into my more modern up-to-date archery career is for the first 25 years i was just tim's son and yeah. like they like that's how they would refer to me as you know you're like oh you're tim's son right oh yeah yeah shadow son you know and uh it wasn't until that you know my scores were consistently higher than him that people actually started noticing my name was nick so uh, you know all credit due to my father though man he is a hell of a shooter and a hell of a competitor but you know, truly his skills lie in the field hunting. You know, we call him the magnet, <laughs> you know, because really, the animals really is just that kind of luck? Is that kind no, of luck? Man. I love that. I kid you not. I mean, you know, growing up, you know, I started hunting with my dad at about seven years old. Um, and, you know, three out of four weekends a year, you know, we're hunting. I mean, three out of four weekends a month, we're hunting. And the other weekend, we're going to a tournament. Like, wow, straight up. That's what yeah, we did. And, uh, you know, I mean, growing up, like, I did not eat beef 
at all. It was not in the freezer. We were eating pig. We were eating deer. We were eating elk and bear. I mean, it was just the way I was raised. And so spent a lot of time in a tree stand deer hunting in Santa Cruz, California, where I grew up and, uh, you know, still hunting those same consistent <laughs> holes. You know, my really? dad pulled the buck out of there every single year. And, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to go pig hunting on some property down by uh, Fort Hunter Liggett down in uh, Central Coast, California. Lots of pigs out there. And, you know, we were out there every weekend chasing them around. But it doesn't matter because they all go to him. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time. You need to stay, uh, stay in the same stand as him. You need to be in well, the same stand. No, then they wouldn't come around at all, you know. <laughs> Upon reflection, you know, I feel like my vibration was not correct. I wanted to bag an animal so bad that I was sending out these predator vibes, you know, yeah. where, you know, he immerses himself into the environment and becomes part of the forest. And then all of a sudden they're right there at five yards. So that's amazing. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that I can, you know, enter the hunting game with a different mindset as an adult and, you know, hopefully have a little bit more success. That's really interesting, man. Like, seriously, the, the fact that you're, you know, just talking about becoming one with nature and then just sitting there and, you know, you say your dad's sort of like that. And as as much, you know, uh, 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 sort of. I, I think of that show Kung Fu when I was a kid, you know, and the guy would just sit there and he would let, you know, a snake call, crawl across him or whatever. Cause he's just part of like, a, a, he was a tree, you know, I think, yeah. the, I think, I think, you know, when I'm up in a stand and stuff like that, there is that vibe. There's like, I don't want to waste another day up here. I got to get something. I got to get something. There's something has to show up. It's probably the wrong attitude and it probably does impact your, um, your ability to see animals. Yeah, I mean, they're so much more sensitive and aware to instincts than we are. You know, we have so many other stimulations as a modern human that we, I feel anyway, that we've lost touch to a lot of these sensitivities, but they certainly have not. And so, you know, it, it's like when someone walks in, you know, when your friend walks into the room and you can immediately tell that yes, their attitude's that. off. Yeah, you know, is that any different for an animal and a predator, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I want to talk about something a little East coast, West coast, and don't take sure. this the wrong way. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not taking one side or the other, but I'm going to just, I got to throw it out here. Okay. I, I don't even know how to bring this. But should I just, maybe I should just say it. What is going on with wearing a glove? Like who wears gloves anymore? I wear gloves. I wear gloves. Who the hell wears a glove anymore? Oh man. Oh man. I tell you what, if you teach me how to use a tab, I might consider it. But I have certainly tried in the backyard and really? I completely fall apart, man. Well, really? you know, I, I I'm self-taught, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean my father, of course, but he was also self-taught, you know, in the early 90s like you read a book and you tried to apply it. You know, you couldn't just YouTube Joel Turner or, you know, <laughs> and figure out how to make this thing come together. Yeah. Um, nor did you have as many people with that knowledge to talk when you're at the club or at the practice butts and share this knowledge in a community form. Uh, I think there was a lot more 
people who figuring it out on their own trial and error, you know, you read Fred Ashby's book. Okay. Hold it like this, you know, you're trying to do that. And Hey, single bevels the way and FOC and like, yeah, okay. I love all these things. I see the results, but how do I aim? You don't, you don't, my students ask me that all the time. And I'm like, I, my answer is always the same. Like, do you aim when you throw a ball? Yeah. Do you aim when you kick a ball? No, you just look at your target, right? And so that's how I was raised to shoot. You just look at the spot and you shoot enough arrows and your brain collects enough data that you can start envisioning that flight pattern and they'll start dropping in there eventually, you know? But now knowing <laughs> all the information that's out there, uh, yeah, man, I mean, there's just so much more accessibility to cutting straight to the chase. But I don't think that people should rely on the quality of information. You still got to get it out, get out there and do it yourself. You got to get your reps in. Yeah. But so back you, to the glove. I got to, I got to answer your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get to the glove. Get the glove. I got, now I got more questions for you. Go oh on. man. I have been shooting the glove my whole life. I just like the way the, the string feels in my finger. My dad shoots no glove at all. He shoots bare fingers he's a beast it's crazy i don't know how he does it uh, but i have tried to use a tab you know and tried to figure it out because a lot of the guys out here shoot with tabs a lot of the guys and gals shoot with tabs um it's very common i would say but no one sat down and taught me how to do it well, <laughs> i can't like figure the, it out on like myself on, man you like to chew on your finger at, at full draw you like to, you like to, you uh, bite, you, I bury it right in there. Yeah, you get it in here, you get it in your mouth and you kind of, you're like a little I, bit, I've been watching a little bit of your form. And so you, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an aiming. It's a, it's a form thing for you too. Right. So I think if you went to a tab, it'd be tough. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that kind of chewing thing has been something that's kind of developed in maybe like the last two years, even, even that's new. Um, yeah. But I just, I lose the sensitivity and the dexterity when I have a tab. Yeah. And like, I know I can fudge with my parts and stuff better when I'm, you know, not shooting, but I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I'm sure if I got enough reps in and someone showed me how to properly, you know, apply the pressure and where you got to do this, but when the zombie apocalypse comes, I don't want to wear a tab. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. I, a lot of people say because of hunting too, they like to wear a glove. Hey, so I want to ask you about your your form, your process, your shooting process, because mm -hmm. it sounds like to me you've already told me that you're you you would call yourself instinctive. You'd be an instinctive shooter. Oh, hundred um, percent. I do not claim to be a gap shooter. If you ask me what my point on is, I would say I don't know because <laughs> the <laughs> truth is I don't, mm -hmm. and I rotate my equipment so often that it's like. You have to completely learn a new system every time you want to, you know, go shoot a different bow mm -hmm. or you program all your bows to shoot at the same speed so that your gaps are the, I mean, sounds like a lot of work to me. <laughs> I look at what I want to hit and with all my effort that I possibly can, I try to execute that ability. Um, now you fast forward 
you know, 32, 30 years of instinctive shooting. And in the last couple of years, uh, thanks to my pro staff team manager, Mike Santiago, you know, he has started to bring to my attention the benefits of and the consistency that gap can provide, especially at the longer distance. Mm-hmm. So me personally, and, you know, this is not something that I'm going to tell other people to do. It's something that's built over time. You know, if it's sub 25 yards, I just let my instincts take over. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been doing this long enough. I've shot millions of arrows. I know what that shot picture looks like. And I just go for it within 25 yards. Now that I'm pushing in the competitive world and wanting to achieve more there, I need the consistency at that 25 to 50 yard range, which was, you know, always hard for instinctive shooters. Yeah. So Mike has coined this term gap stinctive because that is really what, you know, we're trying to do. Um, So my form and shot process in these longer shots is I think there's two different things. There is my point of focus and there is my peripheral awareness and my point of focus never leaves that spot that I'm aiming at. And I big advocate of the aim small, miss small theory. You know, I'm not aiming for the target. I'm not aiming for the ring. I'm not aiming for the spot. I'm aiming for the arrow hole inside the spot. Even if it's not in the center, you know, the highest point of contrast of thing that I can focus on, even if it's at the edge of the 11 spot, that's where I'm aiming. You know, that best point of focus that I can find. I do not, take my focus off that throughout my whole shot cycle, but I use my peripheral awareness to be aware of where my point is for anything, you know, in that 25 yard range plus it helps with alignment, you know, missing up and down. Okay. That's all right. Missing right and left. Not okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's things we we need to work on if you're missing right and left, Um, you know, but you shoot a shot, you know, a heart shot five or a a high five and it was a well-executed shot. I don't feel bad about a well-executed shot. You know, I'm not motivated by the result. I am motivated by focusing on, you know, the method and the discipline. Yeah. And that's really what's driving me in these recent years. That's good. That is good. I would, I would ask you for advice. Well, I am actually going to ask you for some advice. Sure. For beginners. Um, and, and, but I do want to, so uh, I hope you got some more time. We're, we're a little, yeah, I, I, I got to, nowhere to be. I want to talk, I want to talk about, you know, it, so there's a few topics I want to get to some advice for new shooters or people who want to get better at archery. You've given a ton. So I hope you got one more at least. And then I want to talk about your, your event, uh, TBC uh, traditional rendezvous. I want to know more about that, right? And how sure. people can go there. Uh, and then finally, I want to talk about what you're gonna, what you're up to next. You know, what, what's yeah. your next big thing? Sounds like a hunt to me, but maybe uh, outside that hunt. So, where do you want to start first? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we'll just we'll just take it in that order. So, uh, sorry, remind me of the first one. I was so the first about one the is hunt. the first one is <laughs> the first one is uh, if you so. What's your best piece of advice for an archer? Ah, yeah. So, you know, 
I think my advice waxes and wanes, you know, based on the person that I'm trying to advise, you know, um, teaching is a huge passion of mine. I put a lot of time into teaching, specifically trying to bring new archers in, you know, being in this right. community for so long, I have seen the adult division <laughs> shrink and the senior division grow. And I would like to ensure that, you know, our communities thrive for many years to come. Um, you know, so, you know, within that, I think it's every archer's duty to pass it on. That's why archery has been practiced for the last 15,000 years, because we have masters training the next generation. So, um, everybody get out there and share your knowledge, (laughs) but, uh, you know, if you're asking me what I would provide advice to a new shooter, you know, I think mentorship is obviously important, but, um, on a more granular achievable level for them would be the only arrow that matters is the one on the string, you know, because people get, especially when they're new, you know, they are having so much fun and they just want to keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And though they're tired, they keep shooting and then they develop the bad habits or, you know, they shoot an arrow and they're already reaching to their quiver to grab the next one before even like assessing what happened to that shot or their body, you know, in the follow through, there's all these little breadcrumbs left that tell you why that shot even went one inch to the left, you know, maybe something happened with your wrist. Did you pluck, you know, did you peek? There's so many small things that can happen that can result in, you know, a unperfect shot that I would really recommend that everybody focus on just that one arrow, because really it's the only one that matters. That last shot where you missed, it don't matter. It's done. The next one in the quiver, it don't matter. It's this arrow right here. And I still, I don't tell my students anything I wouldn't tell myself either, you know, and, uh, when you're at the stake, or you're in the stand, there's only one arrow, <laughs> you know? There's that one. Um, yep. So, yeah, you know, mentorship is huge. If you can find a mentor in your area, someone who has knowledge and is willing to share, um, it can really fast track your progress. But not everyone has that. And if you're in your backyard figuring this out on your own, slow down. Great. That's great advice. So what's, uh, what's next for you? What are you up to next? Uh, well, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, I have set a very modest goal to, uh, win a world championship in the next 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, We all got that goal. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I have been really motivated by a good friend and training partner of mine, Stephanie Carrera, who um, qualified and went to the 3D World Championship last year, did a lot of training with her in the last few years to, you know, get her there and watching her go there and compete. It just made me realize that as much as I love archery, I also love to compete and, you know, what a, honor it would be to you know wear the stars and stripes and compete on a a global level 
So, um, you know, I say 10 years because it's every other year and that gives me five attempts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to set realistic, achievable goals. Yeah. I wouldn't say, Hey, I, I want to do it next year. Yeah. You know, that's just, you know, well, I dude, I mean, it's any year. So, like, I mean, you, the, you, the level that you're, I wouldn't say that because the level that you're shooting at now, and then when you go for the qualification, um, it could be you. You you don't know, man. No, totally. No, and it, totally it, could you be. know, it, the thing about archery and what's beautiful about it is, you know, it doesn't matter who the best is. It's about today, you okay. know, and like, do you have what it takes today? And I, I know some of the guys that qualified for the positions that I'd be going for and I've shot against them in IBO worlds and stuff. And, you know, I know I can run with them, but it all comes down to that day, you know, and we all have good and bad days. And so I'm just excited to push myself to, um, you know, achieve a tra- childhood dream. Are you talking longbow now? Or are you talking trad division? Uh, so I would probably be shooting trad at the, that level, um, shooting my recurve mostly because, uh, shooting, you have to shoot wood out of the longbow and, you know, I'm a big port or for cedar guy, shout out to Wapiti, you know, great yeah. shafts, <laughs> um, you know, but the guy, the other people in that division are buying a hundred shafts to find their dozen Doesn't in there. Matter. And I want to spend my time shooting, not certain shafts. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have victory, you know, sponsoring my, my arrow habit. And so I'd be shooting carbons and shooting a recurve out there at that level. Um, You can still shoot longbow. You can still shoot longbow. Um, You'd just be shooting against the recurves, um, which I think is totally doable. Uh, We'll just see how these next you know, 12 months go leading up to the qualifications and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with the best bow that I feel like I could shoot with at that time. Um, what's your, what's your arrows of choice? So victory is your spot. You're sponsored by victory, but what, which, what, what's your flavor? Uh, I'm a big, well, you know, there's a couple, you know, uh, my number one quality I look for in an arrow is durability. You know, um, I do a lot of weird moving targets, aerial, you know, running around shooting this, there's metal and stuff. Steel targets are huge out here at the West coast. We shoot a lot of steel targets, but with durability in mind, I love the rip TKO. Um, you know, it's a, it's generated for hunting, you know, so, and I generally shoot my weights, even at tournament level, you know, 500 plus grains. So that when I go out to hunt, my stuff is dialed. I don't need to change anything. Uh, So I really like the RIP TKOs a lot. Uh, 3D HVs and the RIP XVs, fantastic target arrow. I mean, especially in heavy winds, you know, I shoot a lot of high FOC. So that, you know, helps with the wind too. But those micro diameter shafts, man, they are amazing i really you know, like I, them. I keep i keep trying i keep i get i get other arrows you know and i'm like but i always when i go back to 3d hv i'm just like yeah i love these arrows man they're so it, good honestly i i think it's if so you good. were asking me to pick one i would say 3d hv yeah. you know um you know they <laughs> 
they don't break when they're in the center. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, they don't. Right? That's right. But if they're not, they don't. You know. Anywho, you know. Uh, great, great sponsor, uh, great company for uh, for Barebow and for uh, other and for hunting as well. So I want yeah, to talk to you a little California bit. California company too. So love, yeah, love to support local. Well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Great, great products. Um, let's talk. Let's finish up with um, your your the tournament that you host. Talk sure. a little bit so, about that. You know what what it is, what it's about, where, when it is, and and anything, any kind of information you can give us on that. Yeah, man, happy to talk and promote this really awesome, long-standing tournament. Uh, I just hosted my first iteration of it this last April. Uh, it is a traditional specific tournament we are not affiliated to any nfaa asa acronym whatever yeah, out yeah, there yeah. we are completely yeah. private and independent yep. you know so our rule book is about three sentences long which i love <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is a event that i've been participating in since childhood and over the years you know, at least for us West Coast shooters, it has become like the tournament in terms of traditional archery on the West Coast. This last year, we had 439 registered shooters, wow, every single years. one of them wow. shooting off the shelf. No elevated rests. like, That's you know, cool. and this is the debate, <laughs> you know, people want to get these classes in here. And I'm like, yo, I just started here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let's let this conversation evolve and i'm open yeah. to that but uh nor do i want to discredit the 20 years of hard service that the people that came before me put into this event it is a hundred percent charity based there are no profits taken um you know obviously costs are covered to run the shoot but everything else is donated to an organization called hunt of a lifetime this is essentially make a wish for kids who have terminal illness that are looking to go on hunting and fishing trips. Apparently make a wish doesn't accept all wishes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. this nonprofit was formed a couple decades ago and they've been an amazing partner. So all of our proceeds go towards hunt of a lifetime, you know, seeing these kids, uh, you know, live out their dreams, which is awesome. So, um, you know, a lot of really good shooters come out, you know, we like to think of it kind of as the crown jewel, you know, though there is no title, everybody knows that, you know, if you're winning the last man standing out there, shout out to Mike Fazio this year, he laced like eight tens in a row to wow. win that shoot down. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, just everyone there is, you know, that's, that's the one everyone wants to win out here. And it just makes it for a lot of fun. And at the same time, as much of a competition shoot it is, we have seven or eight different novelties throughout the shoot. We have uh, air-powered hydraulic ram moving targets. We have steel targets. We, uh, you know, all kinds of fun running pigs and speed rounds. How many targets can you shoot in 25 seconds, you know? which, you know, the novelties can, uh, you know, irk some high competitive guys. And I understand that, but Hey, at the end of the day, we're out there to have fun. That's we have 150 of those shooters are registering non-compete. They're just there to hang out and have fun. So, you know, that's what we're all about at the TBC rendezvous is 
getting together, hanging around the campfire, shooting arrows, sharing stories, and most importantly, raising money for that charitable organization. That's fantastic, my friend. That is fantastic. It sounds like an awesome shoot. You got a ton of people out there. How many people are camping? Uh, I'd say about 300 plus camp, and we get about 100, 150 day use. It's located here in Santa Barbara County in Los Olivos, California, um, heart of wine country. So, you know, there's no shortage of restaurants, bars, breweries around hotels, you know, Airbnb's, See, I think my wife, I could, stuff. I could talk my wife into that. I could talk my wife into that. Like, you know what I'll I mean? I'll tell like, you what. Everybody's <laughs> wives come to this one. I know, <laughs> the land is beautiful. Everybody wants to be out there. I know we got like, uh, like I went to Itar, you know, Itar, the Eastern traditional rendezvous. It's beautiful, great, awesome people. It sounds like the same kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, but it's in Pennsylvania, so it's not very nice. No, I'm kidding. Oh my God. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> no. Pennsylvania is beautiful. No, it's beautiful. It's, I've never been we to Pennsylvania. Do keep score. Yeah. So a little yeah. different, but yeah. yeah, they don't keep score there. Yeah. There's no, but it, it, that kind of takes the pressure off. There's not a lot of, you know, there's not that, that energy, uh, that competitive energy, um, there either. And it's just kind of chill out. Do you guys get, um, do you get, uh, vendors and stuff like that that come up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we support as many archery vendors as we can. We charge no vendor fees. So come on out and support, you know, we generally just ask that you donate something towards the raffle, you know, whether it's a, you know, $5 item or a $2,000 bow. Um, you know, we have a lot of generous vendors out there. Uh, you know, Wapiti and Archery's Pass out of Oregon have been huge supporters of this event for over 20 years. So I got to give credit to them. There's been many years where they were the only vendors out there. But we have bowyers, custom bowyers from all over California, flint nappers. Sometimes we're lucky enough to even have blacksmiths on site, forging knives right there on That's site, cool. doing classes, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, at ladle guys, you know, you bow guys, a uh, lot of different stuff going on. So, um, you know, food and, you know, we have it catered as well, uh, all organic local stuff. Um, the caterer is actually a local farmer who owns 14 farms in the area. So he grows all the, the food himself and, uh, yeah, so it's quite an event, and um, I would really love to encourage more people to travel to it and see what we have to offer. It's a beautiful time to be out here in California in the springtime. Yep. You know, this year we were lucky enough to have a super bloom, and the flowers have just been amazing. And that goes the same for that NFAA tournament at Break the Barriers um, which are back-to-back -back weekends. We coordinate this with each other because I certainly want to shoot the break the barriers. So yeah. <laughs> we coordinate dates. And if you want to come out to California and you want to make a trip of it, do both, you know, back-to-back -back weekends, um, you know, both fantastic, beautiful places, a beautiful time of year and a, a, a huge traditional community to participate with. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, thanks for, so much for um, doing this interview, first of all. Yeah, man. Secondly, thanks very much for supporting traditional archery as much as you do. Uh, and thanks for being awesome, dude. You're pretty cool. Uh, it was great. It was, a pleasure <laughs> to meet, it was a pleasure to meet you. Uh, shout out to Victory, uh, who sponsors you. They, they, they made a good choice there. And uh, just want to say thanks to everyone who's listening. And um, don't forget to like, subscribe, you know, all that stuff. And, and, and go follow Nick on uh, Instagram on point archery 
uh, on Instagram, I believe. Um, they can follow you there. Send him flood his Instagram with you know questions <laughs> and and stuff because he sounds like he's he he's got his he knows what he's doing. So um, please go out there and uh, follow him and uh, appreciate to, that. Yeah, no, dude, I appreciate you. Anyway, hunt the good stuff, everyone. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Take care. Thank you, Mick.